the year 1953. A plane touches down at Smithy's Airport in Sydney. On board is an American named Lee Gordon. The Australian music scene will never be the same again. From then until now, these are the stories. Hey there, this is Josh Ersom and you're listening to Awesome Aussie Songs. This episode is part of our Anzac Day special and features another of our pioneer musicians, Lucky Star. We speak with the I've Been Everywhere man about his time entertaining the troops in Vietnam and his incredible experiences. He asked me if I'd seen a road with so much dust and sand. I said, listen mate, I've travelled every road in this hill land. Cause I've been everywhere man, I've been everywhere man. Across the deserts bare man, I've breathed the mountain air man. I've travelled, I've had my chair man, I've been everywhere. Been to Talamore, Seymour, Lismore, Maloolaban, Nambour, Mruchdor, Kilmore, Marilabar, Birthville, Lemmerville, Wallaville, Connemano, Connemans, Strathrond, Prosper, Nalladala, Darwin, Jindin, Lillequin, Mackilla, Walla, Miller, Bogavilla, Cumberilla, I'm a killer, I've been everywhere. Man, I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bear man. I've breathed the mountain air, man. I've traveled, I've had my chair, man. I've been everywhere. He's lucky speaking with Awesome Aussie Songs producer Sheldon the Kangaroo Kid. And around this time, you would have played some amazing concerts on the back of this hit single. What are some of these concerts that stand out in your memory? A lot of the uh, working in America was was pretty sensational. I I went straight from from working in places like the Latin Quarter, which was. Um, pretty big as far as we were concerned here to working uh, the flamingo in in america in, in las vegas and um that was a bit daunting um i worked the flamingo and um uh, harvey's wagon wheel in lake tahoe and the mapes in reno some of the most famous yeah. nightclub or, or casino type names yeah yeah and that that was that was fairly daunting i must admit but i think the, i think the most rewarding work i ever did was uh, in vietnam uh, that was um I think that that's what uh, what meant more to me than than anything else. Working to guys that are under intense uh, stress, pressure, uh, loneliness, um, fear, hurt. You know, working to those guys that that meant more to me than anything else. And I've got a few questions about Vietnam a bit later, but while we're just talking about that now, are uh, you you actually funded your own tour? You found out yourself and Bill Watson found out that the Australian troops weren't able to attend the American concerts that the Americans were putting on for their troops. Yeah, the Australian government wouldn't wouldn't do anything for our troops, and you said, "Well, bugger that." Yeah. Well, the Aussies could attend the American shows, uh, but there was never any room for them. <laughs> the, the, the Americans, naturally enough, got got first call on the shows, and there were only uh, you know Bob Hope used to go over there once or twice a year or something, like that, and there were a few other shows. Um, so our our guys were starved for entertainment. So yeah, so I I paid my own fare over there, and and Leon and uh, the, the guys in in that band, the Rajas, they um, um, that was Leon Isaacson, Mike Lawler, and John Hayton. And they sound like a bunch of rat bags. Good rat bags, but rat bags. <laughs> they were indeed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we're all young. Yes. <laughs> that helps. Young and having fun. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, we, they, uh, the story goes that they, were, that they were smuggled into Vietnam. I don't think that's true. But, <laughs> but, they, but they, they were transported there under strange, strange circumstances. I, uh, and I bought a ticket on a Qantas plane and went over there. 
and we stayed there for uh, almost six months. I think that first that first time, uh, and we worked. We had to do one show a week for the Americans, and they provided us with accommodation, and we could use their PXs, which was their their supermarkets, to buy our our, our stuff, and then the rest of the time we were free to work for the Aussies, which we did a lot of. We used to go out and um, uh, they'd set us up on the back of a, a truck uh, as the guys were going out on, on exercises, you know. So it was it was quite quite amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's some very hairy moments performing in a war zone and, and living in a war zone. How did you cope with the constant threat of the Viet Cong? Well, it wasn't constant. There were a few instances where we we mainly lived in Saigon uh, during the, that the first the first trip there. When you say the constant threat, I suppose there is always people were being landmined and and um, you know you move a push bike and it'd have a plastic explosive in it and. Um, but that that never that never occurred to us. I so said we were young kids. It was a bit a bit of an adventure. There was a few times when when we were performing and uh, a red alert would go off, so they had to put you in a in a jeep with sandbags on the floor, give you an M sixteen, and and drive you off to somewhere else, somewhere safer, or you'd have to um, run to the bunkers and get in the bunkers and um, hope that it wasn't a land attra- a land attack. That happened a few times, but. But not too often. There's a there's a famous photo of you performing in Nui Dat, and you're uh, you're on a, a makeshift stage, and the the troops are sort of spread out on on a hillside, sort of looking yeah. down, watching you. It's yeah. it's it's and it's a it's an amazing photo to think of. They had they had their little taste of home while they're in this foreign land, and they're they're under threat. Yeah, that was called the Dust Bowl, <laughs> Nui. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it's special stuff, mate. Really, really special stuff, and um, most not most, but a lot of the guys who were there during that time, um, I, I'm still casually in touch with them. I still do a lot of shows for one RAR because they were the blokes who were there first time I was I went to Vietnam. They were in um, out at uh, Benoit. Uh, and every every show, I, almost every show I do, somebody come up and say, um, uh, "Do you remember Six Ra and in, uh, in uh, Vung Tao or something like that?" You know, I say, "Yeah, of course, I remember. We used to they had a crazy horse. You used to have to ride when you were half drunk." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, go, it goes to show where where you were at as a person too, Lucky, because you know we're not going into the political dramas of the time, but these troops weren't weren't revered as the Anzac troops. Back home, they they were given the raw deal. They were sent there by their own country, and then, and these guys took 10, 15 years for them to get their own march. They yeah, they they were treated very poorly. But at the time, you didn't. You treated them with respect. Well, they deserved respect. They most of them had no. Um, they were there because they were told to go there. If, if they weren't regular regular army or or, or services, they were. The ballot was in then, so you know if you if you lost the ballot or won the ballot, whatever way you look at it, off you went. So um, they, uh, you know, I, I thought they were treated disgracefully when they came back home. But that's that's turned around now to a certain degree. Thankfully, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Um, they weren't even allowed to go to an RSL club. How disgraceful is that? It's shocking, isn't it? <laughs> yep. And you think you look at that and you go, "Wow, it's just yes. it's, it was a national shame." But mm. as I said, you you weren't part of that national shame. You were you were on the good side. You were, you weren't the dark side. You were. <laughs> yeah, the- yeah, yeah. 
I don't know who were on the I don't know who the dark side were, to be honest with you. I don't really know. Most people I speak to say exactly as you that they thought it was disgraceful the way our guys were treated. But some people didn't. Somebody treated them disgracefully when they came Somebody back. was on the dark side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't I don't know where it came from. I don't know why. I guess there are a lot of people who objected to Australia being in Vietnam. I, I objected to us being in Vietnam as well. But they were there. We were there. So you got, if you're there, you gotta you gotta help out, do the best you can. And support your own. Yeah. One of the stories that is, is stuff of legends, and it's a, it's about the uh, the time that you're in a jeep, and uh, you're with the Aussie War correspondent Pat Burgess, and you attempt to make it back to uh, to your hotel, the Grand Hotel in Da Nang. Can you fill us in on this this story and your little adventure that night? There were the local police were called white mice, um, and the, I guess because they were quite diminutive people, and they always dressed in white, but they had these great big six shooters on their hip, and uh, and they were always a bit trigger happy, and quite rightly so, because they were scared about. Viet Cong. So we were coming back and there was a curfew. There was a curfew, I think was six, I think it was six o'clock back then that they changed the curfew time all the time. So we were coming back to um, the Grand Hotel. There's a misname for you. The Grand Hotel. <laughs> Wasn't so grand? <laughs> Not so grand, no. Um, the Grand Hotel in Da Nang um, after curfew. One of the dignitaries was uh, was eating in the in the restaurant in the Grand Hotel. One of the Vietnamese majors, yeah. Vietnamese, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure who it was, but he must have been a pretty important guy because there was a, one of the top brass. Yeah, there was a whole bunch of people surrounding the the hotel and a white mouse at the gate. So uh, Pat said, "Don't worry about it." He said, "Just drive, drive through." So we were fired upon and <laughs> and and lived through it. Live to tell the tale. Well, yeah. apparently the white mice were they weren't they weren't much in in the aiming department. Thank so God. luckily, luckily, thank God. <laughs> but you got back to your room, and uh, apparently there's a couple of bottles of Chivalry Regal, and you uh, you yeah. both polished them off. We and- did indeed. Well, we actually polished off a, a, a bottle before we broke through the ranks. I must admit. <laughs> so that may have given you the courage to uh, to run the gauntlet. It did indeed. The first time you're there, you're 25. It must have changed your outlook on life. Yes, it did. It, uh, I think any war zone has uh, a sobering effect on anybody. I've, I, I think John Lennon got it right when he said, you know, it would be lovely if somebody threw a war and nobody came. I just think wars are the most stupid thing that society involves itself with. Nobody wins. Everybody loses, particularly the poor buggers that live their lives. You keep on seeing things about the Second World War and the First World War. And world wars, kind of. What's the point? You think we would have learned our lesson by now? Well, you think so, but you know what? We're teetering on the brink again right now. I, I, I think it's within our psyche to want to fight other people, except me. <laughs> <laughs> a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> For more on Lucky Star, take a listen to episode three of Awesome Aussie Songs. We take a look at the history of his legendary song, I've Been Everywhere, Man. Let's lighten the mood and finish this episode with one of Lucky's funniest songs, Dead at the TAB. The song itself is a time capsule of Australia in a different time. I hope it gives you a laugh. They're off! Well, get your money on quick, get your money on fast, get the horse comes first or the horse comes last. You won't win if your money ain't in. Down at the TAB, oh well now let's all get in the car. The tab ain't very far, and on the way we'll grab it farther out of the public bar. He ought to have some dough, it 
next Friday night, you know And I've got the name of a trotter here that's really set to go So get your money on quick, get your money on fast If the horse comes first or the horse comes last You won't win if your money ain't in Down at the T.A.B. Oh, well, the tab is here to stay R.S.P.'s had his day He'll have to move out of that penthouse out of Double Bay He's got to realize things are no longer golden He won't get this year's Buick made He'll make do with a Holden So get your money on quick, get your money on fast If the horse comes first or the horse comes last You won't win if your money ain't in Down at the T.A.B. Oh, well, one thing I'd like to state uh, There's just one change I'd make uh, They don't supply us any seats They make us stand and wait uh, It's real hard on your feet uh, Please have it with your cons uh, With seats we can sit with a couple of cans of beer And a pound of bronze So get your money on quick, get your money on fast If the horse comes first or the horse comes last You won't win if your money ain't in Down at the T.A.B. Well, I'll bet the boys in blue I just can't believe it's true We're making off-course bets And there is nothing they can do Well, I don't know about your son But I reckon what they've done By making the whole thing legal Why, they've taken out all the fun So get your money on quick Get your money on fast If the horse comes first or the horse comes last You won't win if your money ain't in Hi, this is Molly You've just listened to a podcast brought to you by Marcos Promotions. Written and produced by my dad, Sheldon the Kangaroo Kip. And presented by Josh Urson. This is Molly Kidd saying to my good friend, Holly Kirsten, Hit it, girl! Take